podcast celebrating the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life. I'm Red. I'm Kelly. Happy And happy Halloween! (laughs) We did it. It's here. We made it. I know. I mean, as much as I love spooky season, I know we both have been on a little bit of a struggle bus this month. Yep. It's very spooky. Yeah. Life. Yeah. Life is spooky. Right? <laughs> Life is the spookiest of all. Oh. We have definitely been feeling it lately. And I think it's just kind of tough at times because obviously we're figuring things out in our life right now, working through unemployment, partial employment, changing careers. I know there's a lot of people in our situation right now now just trying to enjoy this season but also stressing because there's a lot going on absolutely right yeah. like you just got a scary call that you weren't even a student at your makeup school so i, I know yes i am still going to cmu my Talk about a jump scare left my body just like was like <laughs> i'm a ghost now because i have died uh, uh turns out the no. person who was managing my paperwork is out sick and the paperwork is all digital and they do a backup physical copy and she just hadn't put the physical copy in my folder so the person who was covering couldn't find my paperwork it's this was yeah oh yes nightmare on red street it yeah. was uh, <laughs> see and, and i'm telling you this call has so many metaphors for Halloween. right exactly it's disappointing when it's also like this should be the time we're enjoying this it's and our favorite time of year fun. red oh. i know it's been a rough one i gotta say yeah but, how uh, are you feeling you know I'm a little grumpy today, which is sad. It's just been a rough time. Yes, the Yeah, because right now in actual time, as this episode comes out, we are probably doing something spooky. (laughs) And I'm probably on a ghost tour. Kelly is unleashing bandit. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say bandit is set loose on people who are making me mad lately. He's terrorizing (laughs) the town. Yeah, uh, it's been a a rough one. And then... Uh, existential crises are spooky right those are fun mm-hmm. uh viewers or listeners if you can relate sh- holler at your girl she needs a pick me up <laughs> this episode i think as we go i think i'll be happy because it's it's a fun one i think this it's one a is very, very fun different one. it's very different exactly we are breaking from the norm we are not focusing on a single person today but mm-hmm. we figured for some halloween trick-or-treats we were going to do some mini profiles of just spooky kinds of mm, stories People yeah let's go stories. with that yeah we'll go with that we don't know right. what each other is doing too i know so that's gonna yeah. be fun but i also thought we could do a little bit of a get to know each other for you listening at home if you want to get to know us and also want to play along We thought we'd do the classic psychological test of Fuck, Mary kill, the Halloween edition. <laughs> Very scholarly. So, uh, oh, no, yes. Nothing higher than that. Yeah. I'm sure Sean Forget will study it Forget the Rorschach test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he will be studying it and doing his PhD on the Fuck, Mary kill test. <laughs> exactly. And I thought that we could start off just doing a couple of these and we'll go into why with these fmks because we have to get into our halloween spirit i figured let's start off with some modern horror villains so kelly yes of the three fuck mary kill freddy from nightmare on elm street jason for friday the 13th and michael myers from halloween okay this one was an easy one i'm gonna kill michael myers because he's the fucking creep Fuck that. Okay. Like, you're okay. bullshit. I, I don't need this. Like, at least, like, interact with me. 
you know like don't just, uh-huh. just don't just creep out of bushes like i want you to like earn the kill like just you know give me a little more cat and mouse kill him i'm gonna uh-huh. fuck jason because i love hockey <laughs> <laughs> keep the so, mask on buddy <laughs> but vicariously i'm gonna fuck a hockey player through that and then freddie i'm gonna marry because He's like a very, he's intellectual. And Robert England is a Shakespearean actor, as we know. And mm-hmm. I think that's just going to like stimulate the body, the mind, the brain. I think he would have some funny like quips. Like we would just have like a, like, a good banter going back and forth, with, between, you know, right before he like claws me to death. I think it'd be a fun time. So yeah, I think uh, we would have a good marriage before he kills me. Yeah. I think Freddie for the win. What about you? <laughs> Um, I could not be more opposite than you. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So I'm killing Jason. Hockey right. hockey player aside, that is a fugly face under there. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> That's why the mask it, stays on. He comes out of that water and I'm just like, no, I can't, yeah. I can't marry that. Thank you, Tom Sabini that. for that. Yes. Thank you for that. <laughs> Our friend. But then I'm going to fuck Freddie. I mean, like you said, he's very stimulating. He's going to be kind of on all levels. But I think he's too much because I'm the one who's kind of very creative and going all over. I've talked about this before. Someone who is too much of that and myself, it's not very grounded. It's not going to be sustainable. He, We're going to be like chasing each other through each other's nightmares and dreams and stuff like that. The kids are not going to be very appreciative of the way they're being raised by this. No. Which is why I'm going with Mike Myers because Mike Myers, now that man is committed. He has been chasing <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis for how many fucking movies That's now? why I want to kill him though. It's like, oh. All right already i thought i killed you like i need you to stop no no like, no i like down. that strong steady type who oh is just gonna God. be like Stalker there for me much. he's committed <laughs> i mean listen i don't know about the conversations we would have because i no. haven't really heard him talk but <laughs> if we're in this together like if he shows me that level of commitment always there for me i think we could make that work all right so, yeah. i'll accept that <laughs> Wow, I love how different we are. This is interesting. Okay, next one. Fuck, Mary kill, classic horror villains. We got Dracula, the Wolfman, or Frankenstein's the monster. Big difference there. I Because I'm totally just killing Frankenstein the scientist. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm- (laughs) We are in agreement on that. (laughs) I'm in agreement with that. So that's why I think I'm going to marry the monster. Because he is misunderstood. He's a gentle soul. He didn't want this. He's just like mm-hmm. me, you know? I think he's just a misunderstood soul, and we, me and him could be moody together and bond over wanting to kill Frankenstein, you know? I, I think it'd be a fun thing that'll bond us and make our marriage strong, you know? We've got core mm. core things in common. I think you gotta fuck Dracula, because everybody loves a good fang, very sexy, natural, like, attractive thing. Everybody loves a good neck action. Mm-hmm. And then the wolfman, I'm just gonna kill... Because you're ugly. Sorry, I can't. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. I don't see us having a future together. I don't think we would have a good time in bed. I just need you gone. So we're just going to kill you. <laughs> what about you? Once again, we are so opposite. Wow, Red, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm fucking the wolf, man. Okay, interesting. Because as you know, Kelly, I've kind of actually been down this road before. Oh, that's <laughs> Okay, I should have known. We're not going to say his name, but no. the bartender nope. from a tiki place we used yes. to go to together. Yes. He and I hooked up and he had a little bit of a <laughs> werewolf persona 
Uh, I guess kink kind of thing uh, and it was actually pretty fun in the sense of like it's very physical a little animalistic and we had a lot of laughs he was self-aware it wasn't anything like crazy like it wasn't like anybody put on like again not to yuck anyone's yum but there wasn't like fur involved or anything he's very fit though yeah was, he was but it was fun and it was physical so i'm like you know what i could do that again i'd fuck the wolf man yeah, um so right. shout out That's... to you mr bartender yeah. i am killing frankenstein's monster oh that's not fair it's not fair but also he's already been dead i mean granted i know it's always the age-old question from twilight of bestiality versus necrophilia and i guess i just go like for more of the kind of physical guy than the one who's going to be dead well um, i guess I because what... i'm dead inside red that's why gonna, that's why <laughs> well, i'm gonna marry mean, him also let's remember we don't know where all those parts have come from but i'm also going to say i am marrying dracula because once again as you said like yeah he's sexy huh. interesting fashion sense but also he's got that old money you know yeah. he's got it because he's been around forever and he's had to figure shit out and make do. So that guy knows how to get by, how to blend in, also stand out when needed, and has the money. So that is someone I want to get married All to. Right, fine. So you, you've convinced me. But does it change if we go with like the generic brand of them? Like if you go werewolf, zombie, vampire, does that change it for you? Because I'm staying the same. No, I think I'd stick with it. If we're calling Frankenstein a zombie... Mm. You know what? It does change. You're right. You know what? Zombies. Uh, I just, it's just because I'm dead inside, like I said, and they never wanted <laughs> this, which is why I empathize Ooh. and feel like we have a lot to like talk about. But uh, I like the old money thing of Dracula. <laughs> just, am I going to marry him or am I going to fuck him? True. This is a well, very I will important say too, yeah. Frankenstein's monster also, you know, the book and some yeah. of the films, he's actually conversational. He's not zombie where it's just like literally yeah, brain I'm dead. I'm sick to it. So, you know yeah i'm sticking to frankenstein and he's tall you know what i like that i like tall i mean yeah (laughs) i know you do (laughs) so i'm gonna stick with that best treats reese's snickers or kit kats let's see obviously i'm gonna marry a reese's because they're cream de la creme of the candy world there was nothing better Especially than like getting a king size one. Because fun size red is a misnomer. It is not fun. There's nothing better than Reese's. You gotta marry it. It's just a classic combination of peanut butter and chocolate. You can't go wrong. So I'm marrying the Reese's. I'm going, I'm gonna fuck the Snickers. I'm gonna get down and dirty with the Snickers. <laughs> the Snickers has a personality. The Kit Kat's boring. I'm gonna kill the, I'm gonna kill the Kit Kat. Yeah. So I'm gonna marry <laughs> the Reese's. I'm gonna get down and dirty with the Snickers and then I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna kill the Kit Kat Kit Kats are boring and they taste like cardboard but let me caveat all this saying I have a soy intolerance so I probably can't eat any of them anyway we were close but I had to change one of them I'm killing the Kit Kats as well because like yeah they're nah. boring instead I am fucking Reese's uh, because okay okay listen I love Reese's don't get me wrong that combination is chef's Undeniable. kiss it's just like yeah. oh you love it like there are times where I'm like in a pinch I will have like a little bit of peanut butter and put chocolate syrup on it. It's not the same, but it's that salty and sweet kind of combination. And I'm like, that is good. But as far as marriage, Snickers, I mean, it's got a little bit of everything. You know, you've got the peanuts, you've got the caramel, you've got like chocolate. Like it's 
to me, like they say, you're not yourself when you're hungry. I'm not myself without my Snickers. <laughs> That's a great ad so, for them. Can they sponsor right? <laughs> uh, Hi, Snickers. If you would like uh, to sponsor us, we are available. Sell out. <laughs> <laughs> but they get stuck I'm, in your teeth is the only issue. True, but that's marriage. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you get stuck in each other's teeth for a little bit. You're like, oh, you're annoying, but I still love you. Yeah. I'm still going to have more of you later. All right. Yeah, so, I'll allow it. but I'll here allow on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have the worst treat a toothbrush, candy corn, and Smarties or Rockets. So, the reason I specified that is because I'm talking about the little sugary tubes that are in like the clear mm-hmm. wrapping. Mm-hmm. Now there's another candy in Canada that's called Smarties and they're like M&Ms. So oh. instead, what we call Smarties in the US are called Rockets up there. So for those of you listening in Canada who are like, how could you get rid of Smarties? And then oh, you realize they're Rockets, smart. you will understand. Because first of all, killing that toothbrush. Yep. Fuck that because yep. that is not a treat. Nope. That is a guilt trip yep. after a fun night. And also it's never a good, like decent toothbrush. It's always like those cheap, not great ones. So I yep. don't need that. So I'm killing the toothbrush. I am fucking the Smarties slash Rockets because they're sweet, but yeah. like ultimately not good for me. My teeth are going <laughs> to just rot away with that amount of sugar, just straight up sugar in my mouth. Like, no, it's a nice one time quick treat. So therefore I know this is nuts. <laughs> oh God. But I am marrying candy corn oh, because it is boy. a classic. Honestly, I don't mind candy corn. I, I think it's... Huh. I can actually get down with candy corn. I know yeah. everybody gives it shit. I enjoy it. I know people are probably like, she has questionable taste. I'm like, yeah. yes. Well, Have you seen that. my dating life? Yeah. yeah. I was say, we, we already know <laughs> right. that. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm going to marry candy corn. It's the classic. It's a staple. I think uh, I'm in agreement think... with you. What? I actually think we're in agreement. I actually, yeah, I don't think I hate candy corn as much as everybody else does as well. Like, so you're marrying I, it though? I think I'm going to marry it. Yeah, because I think oh. it's it's a texture thing. I like to have a little chew versus just a straight up chalk explosion in my mouth. <laughs> so I think that's the difference that puts me over to marrying the candy corn. At least I get a little variety. But Smarties is just an explosion of chalk and sugar that my teeth cannot handle. Um, but right. I'm still killing that toothbrush. This so one, that, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you gotta do this. You know, too, also as a makeup person, this is very hard to do, but we call this category, you have more makeup than me. (laughs) And that's where we get into our clown like figures. So it comes between Uh, fuck Mary. Can I kill them all? You can. I mean, it breaks the rules, but you know what? If uh, that's my answer, Millie. Yeah, Danielle and Millie can do this on their fuck Mary kills. I guess we can allow it, but also listen to I Saw What You Did pod. Such a good podcast. Okay. Basically, our choices for Fuck, Mary Kill is Pennywise, The Joker, or Ronald McDonald. And you said you're just killing them all? I'm killing all of them. Fuck. No, no. Not getting near any of you. None of y'all. You can get the fuck away from me. What is it about clouds? Like, why are we so, is it just because of like, is it because of Pennywise or which came first? Was it, it was Pennywise, right? Is that why I we mean, all hate clowns? I was like, going to say uh, John Wayne Gacy, probably. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> An actual real life actual terrifying clown. clown. To be honest, I don't find clowns that scary. Well, you love I, makeup. That makes sense. I love makeup. So I'm kind of also looking at like the artistry of it and be like, and there's like a whole culture to it where it's like, there's a like, I think you have to, and correct me if I'm wrong, any clowns out there that want to correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure each person has like their own registered look 
as an official clown. Each person has like a, like they don't change it every time. Bozo the clown had a very specific makeup look. To be Bozo, you have to do that makeup. I date enough Bozos. I don't need to go into this. Um, (laughs) I will say that I am going to actually do the FMK. Okay, you're a better person than I am. I am fucking Pennywise because, I mean, let's be real. All these are batshit crazy. So (laughs) let's just go into that. He knows your innermost thoughts and things like that. So if his goal is to please you, uh, that is going to be a great time. (laughs) Fun way to look at it. Okay. Right, but also um, he also literally lives in the gutter. So I I can't marry that. Like that's No, he's going to smell like fucking sewage. Right. And like he's not the guy you take to dinner because he's eating people. So it's just people. He's he's going to. And not in the good way. No. He's army hammer. (laughs) Oh, yes. He's. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. I am going to marry the Joker. Again, he shows that level of commitment. Granted, it is to Batman. He's in a very toxic relationship with Harley. But at the end of the day, if she's like the ex, but still like they kind of have this gravitational pull together, that means I get to hang out with Harley and just have chaos with like that whole crew. That seems like a good hang everybody it's gonna be more of a non-sexual marriage honestly because he's too toxic i mean maybe he does fuck i don't know like i mean we've got heath ledger that's what Jack i think nicholson of. there are so many different like jokers who are and they bring the chaos it's never really at his domain it's always outside into the city and then he like comes home and it's like oh, okay cool like we're just gonna hang here in like our hideout <laughs> And it, like, doesn't bring that chaos home, which is fine. And he was a so, comedian, so he'll have a good sense of humor. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I mean, so he's kind of twisted. So is, yeah. we'd have a great time. And then, you know, my stance is on certain corporate shit. So mm-hmm. I'm killing Ronald. Definitely killing Ronald. I could agree like, with you on that. Like, he, killing like, Ronald. Like, he does not actually care about you at the end of the day. He's no. like, not going to take care of your health. He's he just trying to contribute about- to childhood obesity and the bottom dollar and stock broker. Like, he's a stock market bro. No, thank you. Oh, exactly. And no, thank yeah. you. We're to the point that you don't care what happens to the people. No. Like, it's one thing if you're about getting that green i totally get that but if you're doing it to the point where you're also sending people into really horrible health issues nah you gotta go bro. Yeah. so agreed out agreed. <laughs> that was that was a good roundup last last one classic creatures ghosts skeletons demons well, okay i want you to start this one yeah okay well i'm just wondering how am i actually gonna get my hands on a ghost <laughs> to actually mm. have any like you know, how am I supposed to fuck you? Like, hey, listen, and I need that for a marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you um, not seen Ghostbusters? Okay. <laughs> Which, yeah. Wild to think about that was like a supposed kids movie and like Dan Aykroyd is getting a blowjob from. Oh, God. That's so funny. Why? Why did we allow that? <laughs> It's a kids movie. Because uh, well, kids guess, movies weren't actually kids movies. They I know, they're like, adults. They I mean, gonna... Back to the Future, there's the whole John Mulaney bit about that where it's like, yeah, you know, we thought it'd be a good idea if he goes to the past and, I don't know, almost fucks his mom. Like, it's like, I oh, literally God. had like... this conversation at lunch today, Red. <laughs> Whoa, that's so crazy. We just talked about this. <laughs> that's too funny. This. It's so fucked up. 
that movie. Let's just like kill the demon. I feel like they just bring me down. Like I don't need those vibes, man. Like there's enough negativity in the world. I just don't need it. I can't deal with your negativity. Like let's just leave. We're just gonna kill you. I don't. I don't want it. Your aura is just not gonna do it for me, bro. So we're gonna. We're just gonna kill you. I guess I'm gonna fuck a skeleton. Although that's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how Look, fun that would there be. Somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how fun that's gonna be. Like, you gotta be a lively one. I need some participation on your end. I feel like it's gonna be like a Lego. I'm gonna be a fucking a Lego though. So <laughs> don't know how fun. And then I'd be afraid I break break them. I don't know. I think they could be flexible. They would be a fun time. They could reach some spots maybe that you know couldn't be reached otherwise. <laughs> I mean, they can detach like that. They could yeah. kind of just, they yeah. could go, you know, work on many parts of the body at once. Then let's, let's marry the ghost, you know? I feel like, because then maybe sometimes it's a very appropriate time of year. It's ghosting season, everyone. So I'm already used to it anyway in life. Mm-hmm. So I can just marry one. And then when I'm sick of you, I'll just be like, oh, you're not, he, he's not here. Sorry. And then I'll just, you know, it'll get me places, I think, if, if you can't be seen. But it depends how, how visible is this ghost is what i'm asking are we, can we see this ghost right. or can only i see the ghost because i feel like it'd be a benefit if i'm mad at you if, if i don't have to see you or other people can't see you because then i could like go out and pretend i'm like single for a night <laughs> you know i don't know i don't have a good answer Red. that Help sounds like out. a no 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 i was about to say that sounds like also one of those like role-playing things where it's like oh i'm single and my yeah. husband's not here but really he's right? like right over there but no one else can see yeah, um, it's, it's like but, there's a mystery and romance to it. Like, you're, you know, you got some backstory that we could talk out and write a screenplay on. I could learn more about right. you. And um, it's just romantic, I think. Yeah, I'm actually going to marry the ghost, too, because also there's so many different types of lore around ghosts and, like, spirits. So it's like, I don't know which one I'm getting, but, like, also, first off, Pale Girl. It's just yeah, like, yeah, oh, you know, duh, obviously. Yeah, the two of us <laughs> could share the sunscreen. I mean, it would probably go right through them, but you never know. And <laughs> I have so many things going on outside. It's nice to be a little homebody with somebody. So that'll be really nice. And then I'm killing the skeletons because I'm sorry. Like, if for either or, I need a little meat on the bones. Like, that's, uh, it's just, no. Can you even talk to a skeleton because they don't have a tongue? They don't have anything to, like, they're just like clacking their jaws at you. And I'm like, I don't know, no. So, and I don't know sign yet. I want to learn it someday. So until then we can't communicate. So no, uh, you're already halfway to the grave anyways. So then I am fucking the demon because you know, that's going to be wild. And you're going to like, I'd be afraid. I'm going to have an exorcism. (laughs) Like I'm scared. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be terrifying, but in a consensual way. And it'd be like, I don't know. Cause it depends on the demon too. Really wild. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you were right again. I'm not right or not. Just no, you got the right answer. I just—he scares me. Who doesn't like a little scare in the bedroom when it's friendly, consensual, and also Halloween time? Well, so it's trick or treat time. Woo! All right. Basically, the way this works is that each of us have prepared tricks and treats for all of you. We are going to go do some quick profiles. It will tell you at first whether it's a trick or a treat. So I guess I'll ask you first, trick or treat. I want a trick. Ooh, okay. So for my first trick, I picked out the Tommy knockers. What is that? Do you, I was about to say, have you ever heard that phrase? No. I've heard the term Tommy knocker before from like the Stephen King book and I didn't know what it was. 
and I've never read the book. So turns out they actually have a very interesting history. They are apparently legends brought over in the 1820s by Cornish and Welsh immigrants who would call these creatures knocker knackers or knockers. I mean, I'm like, Really, guys? You're calling them knockers? Okay. But basically, the immigrants came over to Western Pennsylvania to work in the mines. And these creatures, they apparently brought with them. Not physically, but they were just like stowed away. But they were like little gnomes, elves, or even spirits of previous mine workers protecting the previous colleague. That sounds like, okay, that's like a positive thing. Well, not exactly. They were actually often more seen as tricksters, especially if they didn't like you. They would take bites out of your lunches. They would steal your tools. They'd blow out lanterns so you would be in complete darkness in the mines. They'd throw little rocks at you. Or they would even dry up whatever material you were currently mining. Like they would call them veins that they would be going down. And just all of a sudden, there would be no material left. So because of that, they also were kind of like a warning. Like, don't go into the mines, kids, because the Tommyknockers, they're tricksters. They might not let you out. But... If they liked you, this was huge because if you left out like a little bit of your sandwich on purpose for them or you left them little gifts or like money, they actually would not only lead you to fortune by helping you find these parts of the vein that were actually rich in the material you were looking for, but they could actually save your life. And that's because the reason they were called knockers or Tommy knockers was because they would actually knock on the walls of the mine before a cave-in. Now, some theories are that they were actually creating the cave-ins by doing the knocking. Yeah, that's going to say. Which would, again, go back to the trickster thing. Or they were just warning them. So the knocks became credited for saving many miners' lives because they thought that these were warnings or at least a heads up and they narrowly escaped a collapse like a cave-in. So, and they became so important to the mining community that some workers would refuse to enter a mine unless they were assured by management that the Tommy knockers were on duty. And they were so like respected and beloved that as late as 1956, a large Californian mine was closed and they sealed the entrance. So then a petition was started to unseal it so that the Tommy knockers could be freed to go find another mine. And the owners (sighs) actually did comply. Oh my god. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> so that's Tommy Knockers. <laughs> oh. That's a really good one, Red. Holy right? Shit. And that's Isn't a that Stephen so King. Interesting? That's a Stephen King. So there's novel. a book, there's a book called Tommy Knockers, but I don't know if they actually have anything to do with this or not. I haven't okay. read it. That's so fun. Red, trick or treat. Um, well, I want a treat. <laughs> okay. So this is fun. A very, very classic thing we do this time of year is an institution. And that is the Treehouse of Horror series. Oh, and my God. Sean and I, one or two years ago, timed out that there were 31 of them. So we watched one every single day. Oh. And it's been on that long. And they get Crazy. worse as they go. But I found a little fun facts about the Treehouse of Horror series that I thought I would share as a treat. There's so many, but we'll cut it down. I love it. So EC Comics was a big inspo for it. They did, you know, Tales from the Crypt and Weird Science. And they would do stuff for like Mad Magazine. And they were a huge influence in the first Treehouse of Horror. And it was basically, they just wanted to parody EC Comics. Kind of original and shocking for 
a cartoon on network TV, Jim Brooks recalls. So that's where that came from. And the Twilight Zone was very heavily parodied in the early episodes. That was like a very big thing that they would do in every single season. But as it went on, obviously it got worse, but it was a definitely reoccurring thing. The writers were initially worried that people would be scared of the episodes. It was so out there, the Trias of Four series, and it was so different that the writers had to have Marge, I don't know if you remember this, Red, but she had to break the fourth wall to warn parents before the start of the episode. I which do actually, remember that. Yeah, which is like lampooning the beginning of 1931's Frankenstein. How appropriate considering we were just talking about it. Mm -hmm. And there were some funny disclaimers that opened the special for the next couple of years, but eventually they just forgot about it and stopped doing it after the fifth one. Yeah, so, I think after five, you're like, you can stop. Right, we know. We get we know. it. Yeah, James Earl Jones was the voice of a character in each story in the original oh, Treehouse of Four. I love that. <laughs> Which is amazing. He appeared as the moving man in Bad Dream House. He was the narrator in The Raven. He was the alien chef. Oh. Uh, in Hungry Are the Damned. And he was also alternate universe Maggie in my favorite. In 1994, Time and Punishment. That was my favorite Treehouse of Horror ever. And then a fact that everybody knows is Kang and Kodos appear in every single installment. Those are the aliens. Yeah. Something that has to happen in every single one. Sometimes they were pretty explicit, but sometimes they were barely in it and like very shooting at the end, but they made sure mm -hmm. to put them in every single one. This one's fun. Professional courtesy killed the tombstones. So I don't know if you remember this, but for the first like few years, Treehouse of Horror would open with a quick trip to like the graveyard memorializing random deceased people. Our Buckmeister Minister Fuller and like I'm with Stupid and American yeah, Workmanship yeah, yeah. and Subtle Political Satire. Eventually, this was canceled. They wanted to make sure that Matt Groening, he confessed in a season six commentary track that another concern was that future failed TV shows would be helmed by ex-Simpsons writers, which of course turned out to be the case. So they stopped making fun of other things <laughs> uh, oh. so that they could, yeah, just, just to yeah. be courtesy to other professionals. Gotcha, gotcha. Some scenes Man, were, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of like, you know, I feel like I would be honored if it was like, oh, but I understand when like a series ends or something and the creators yeah. are like miffed about that. Like, okay, that's careful. understandable. Um, and Treehouse of Horror 3 was almost the last of the series. Isn't that crazy? Previous uh, showrunners expressed like just how difficult writing it was was compared to normal episodes things had to happen really fast and you had to cram it with jokes the story beats and they were just so complex but eventually it was just so well received that they just continued to do it man i used to watch all i need to do a rewatch of them uh there's a bunch more but yeah just some fun facts there's some scenes were purposely violent as a shot at Congress was another fun fact. Oh. They, season six showrunner David Merkin tried his best to like make that season special as disturbing as possible in response to Congress's attempts to censor the Simpsons because of perceived excessive violence. So that's oh. why groundskeeper Willie suffered the fatal axe to the back by Homer, Maggie mm -hmm. and Principal Skinner, and all of those uh, Trias of Horror 5 
episodes and then so he really just <laughs> took it to the limit uh eventually yeah, being like oh yeah. you think it's violent let me yeah. show you violence let me show you violent <laughs> yep and uh yeah so that's a fun little fact but yeah thought that'd be fun to highlight an institution at this time of year amazing hey. i love that yeah Aww. yeah so trick-or-treat kelly I guess I'll do a treat. Oh, okay. Well, this one's actually really sweet, I think. Basically, I wanted to highlight a ghost with ties to a very famous person. Uh, We definitely have to do a profile on them because not only are they incredibly famous, if you don't know who this person is, I'm just like, what? Have you not listened to music? Have you not seen, like, I'm sorry, did you not get your COVID shot? Like, what? Uh, Because... This person is beloved as well. And that's why I think we definitely need to do a full episode on them. But I'm talking about the great Dolly Parton. Oh. So the ghost or actually ghosts I'm talking about are the supposed spirits of her grandmothers. Dolly had a very close relationship with both of them. But in particular, her grandmother, Bessie, who she actually ended up taking care of due to her debilitating health issues. Like she had a lot of things. She really needed all the assistance that she could get. And apparently Dolly was the only grandchild who not only wasn't afraid to get close to her, but also that Grandma Bessie, quote unquote, didn't mind having around. (laughs) (laughs) And that's saying something because Dolly had 11 siblings alone just in her immediate family. So I mean, yeah, that being like the only one she wants to tolerate. I mean, Dolly was incredibly sweet to her, brush her hair, she'd clean her fingernails and her toenails, she'd massage her where it hurt. But also, there's a little bit of a trick here because Dolly liked to pull pranks on her grandma, Bessie, because she would say, basically, she wanted her to feel somewhat normal. So sometimes after cleaning her dentures, she would come in wearing them just to see her grandma's reaction. (laughs) There was also occasions where she apparently would go and clean the bedpan that she was using for her, but then would have it out so long that the thing would freeze over and then she would go to use it and literally get a rise out of her because it was this freezing bedpan. But apparently this was the right move to make because of what her grandmother's spirits did for her. Basically, there are a lot of little stories that she would tell, but one of the bigger ones that happened was later in life, Dolly was supposed to take a plane to Salt Lake City, Utah. But before boarding, she actually saw her grandmother standing in the corner of the room. And she kept saying, don't catch the plane. Don't (gasps) catch the plane. And she said it scared her so much that she decided to listen. And that plane that she was scheduled to be on ended up crashing. (gasps) And tragically, there were no survivors. Whoa. Right? Whoa. Another time... Both her grandmothers stepped in to warn her because she was looking over a contract and she was looking and just seeing like, okay, this is this new deal, blah, blah, blah. But the grandmothers both told her not to sign it. Don't you sign that. Don't you dare. So she ended up listening because she's like, listen, (laughs) saved my life before. (sighs) And it turns out had she signed it, she actually would have been out millions of dollars because it was actually there was something in there that would have ended up costing her as opposed to being profitable like she thought it would be. Because of that, she said these experiences have actually strengthened her belief in the afterlife saying I know there is life after death because I speak to my grandmothers and that she (gasps) isn't afraid of death anymore because of it and she's even joked I hope I die in the middle of a song hopefully one I wrote 
<laughs> oh my god so wait is this a trick or a treat i think it's both. that's a treat because like Whoa. i mean it saved her life these two ghosts have been like protecting her even after they're gone they had these full long lives and they just oh keep looking god. out for dolly i'm sure she, they look out for their other grandchildren as well and the family but yeah they protect dolly and make sure that not only is she not afraid of things that come up and protect her from anything dangerous but they let her know that they're still there and they're waiting for her on the other side. Oh, I love that. I want, I want right? some grandma. Well, I don't want grandma ghosts, but you know, if you're going to help me out, I would, I'll, Listen, I'll take them. Uh, <laughs> Nana, Baba, if you're listening, I had a good relationship with both of my grandmothers and they've passed. I and have they had one Barry. left. She's about to be 105. Yep. So I know we talked about her. Isn't that crazy? Hi, grandma. You're not listening, yeah. I know, but you know, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I know, but that's like also like what a lovely thing to think about, like your loved ones looking out for you and protecting you. That's such a good one. Oh, I right? love this. Trick or treat, yeah. right? <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to ask you for a trick now. Okay, I'm really excited about this one. So, <laughs> have you heard of, I might be pronouncing it wrong, the Willem Scream, or it's Wilhelm Scream? Oh, Willem. yeah. Okay, you hear that? Basically, oh my god this i love this stock sound effect that has been used in countless movies and films you probably don't even realize it but it is so distinct and there is a whole backstory behind it that it's fucking fascinating so actually originates from a series of sound effects recorded from this obscure like 1951 movie called distant drums and in this scene soldiers are fleeing indians and wading through a swamp in the everglades and one of them is bitten and dragged underwater by an alligator <gasps> and the screams for that and other scenes were recorded in a single take and the recording was titled man getting bit by an alligator and he screams <laughs> and the fifth so take of this yeah the fifth take of the scream was used for the soldier in the alligator scene, and that take later became known as the Willem scream and is thought to have been voiced by the actor Sheb Woolley, who is actually best known for that 1958 song, The Purple People Eater. Oh and my god! So it's him. Yeah, and he just really? played... Yeah, that's him. So it's an, it's just he plays an uncredited role of Private Jessup. But that's oh who god. is believed to have done it. And so this screen became super popular in a little-known film called Star Wars in 1977, yes. in which Luke Skywalker <laughs> shoots a stormtrooper off a ledge. You know the scene. And the effect uh -huh. is heard as that stormtrooper is falling. Since then, it's been used in everything. It's been used in Gremlins, Anchorman, Lethal Weapon, Fifth Element, Indiana Jones, like The Simpsons, tons of movies and films. But yeah, that's where it came from. It's so funny. So now when you hear it, you'll know. It's from so the Purple Beetle Eater. Public domain somehow because it is. It was sold, I guess. So it can't be used in commercials. I think I was looking at that. It said they because again, so many and for such a famous sound. Because of course I recognize that scream. Of course, yeah. it like <laughs> it's iconic. It's, I remember being a kid and being like, wow, that scream sounds familiar because again, I didn't right? know that. I was like, that same person is just in every movie. And it's like, every no, no. movie. <laughs> 
right. this one guy from times. Yeah. Right. It's not often like a major character that makes the noise. It's typically like a stormtrooper or someone in the background falling off something. And it's not like our lead. For a while, I literally thought like, oh, that guy keeps getting a lot of work because he yeah. just is in everything. <laughs> and he's so good at doing that scream. Isn't that funny? <laughs> like, I had no idea. Oh, yeah, that's a like, great trick. Isn't that fun? I mean, they tricked me. Yeah. It was even used in like Lizzie McGuire, The X-Files, Family Guy. Yeah, the Simpsons, just Sons of Anarchy. It's just everywhere. That's my trick is the Willem scream. Nice. I love that. Yeah. And I guess, so for you, Red, I think I'll do another trick if you have one. Okay. Oh, you know I do because once again, (laughs) I have to go somewhat historical with this. Girl, I found a wild one. I mean, I've heard about it on other podcasts, but... For my final story and for a trick, I found a story of a poltergeist from the 1930s out on the Isle of Man, which is like literally an island located between Ireland and Great Britain. Oh my god. But it's not just any poltergeist. Kelly, may I introduce you to the self-described, quote, eighth wonder of the world, Jeff the Talking Mongoose. What the fuck is that? (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of this. This is such a weird but quirky story. And I love this so much. But basically, you know, we only have so much time. So I'm going to make this quick. So it all started on a farmhouse called Dorlish Cashin, where James Irving, Margaret, and their teenage daughter, Vori, lived. And at first... They heard scratching, rustling, something that you would think like a creature was kind of in the walls or something like that. But there was a moment where James tried to scare it by growling at it. And apparently the creature growled back like in the (gasps) exact same way. So soon it began imitating even more noises of the family and like different animals that were in the farm and stuff like that. And eventually because it kept imitating them and listening as they were talking, it started to speak. (gasps) And it started saying things like it explained, I understood all that people said, but I could not speak until you taught me. And he explained that he was a mongoose and he had been born near Delhi, India in 1852. So we're talking like an 80 something year old talking spirit mongoose. And eventually it would speak phrases in English, French, German, Yiddish, Spanish, (laughs) Flemish, and Hebrew, and always in a high pitched voice. I know. It also, he couldn't apparently make up his mind on exactly what he was either, because sometimes he would say, I am an earthbound spirit. And then other times he literally said the opposite and said, I am not a spirit. I am an extra, extra clever mongoose. It's... Whatever he was, he was quite the trickster, but also a helper. Its noises would keep the family up at night. It would yell at guests who stayed the night. It woke people up who overslept. It would basically act like a cat or it would like play with rodents, but sometimes leave killed rabbits on like the steps. Like, you know how a cat does. It would occasionally throw rocks at local workmen who upset him. It would put out the stove if someone forgot when they were going to bed. And it also loved to spread gossip because it would follow the family into the local market and then tell them the conversations that other people were having because they didn't see the talking mongoose. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But he loved to talk once he could and also insult people and even threaten them. And so some of his interesting quotes he would say would be things like, 
nuts. Put a sock in it. Chew Coke. One time a guest was there and they were reading the newspaper and all of a sudden he heard the voice go, read it out, you fat-headed gnome. Put the bloody gramophone on. You're as thick in the head as a lump of curry. Turn your head, you bastard. I can't stand your eyes. I've been to nicer homes than this. Carpets, piano, satin covers on polished tables. I'm going back there. If you knew what I know, you know a hell of a lot. You don't know what damage or harm I could do if I was roused. I could kill you all, but I won't. And then finally, this was the self-described, like he had a bit of an ego apparently because he said, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. And I'm just like, what is, and imagine you're just at home and there's this, granted my voice is much lower, but there's this high pitched voice coming from the walls saying shit like this and like keeping you up at night. But apparently it loved the daughter, like uh, it would hang out in her room a lot and they would try and barricade the door to keep him from coming in and there was like a pressure that you could see a strain against the door as though something was trying to come in so eventually they just let him and he would apparently hang out in the room and eat bacon um <laughs> you do <laughs> as one does right Whoa. and obviously all these antics and things like that like apparently there were reports of other people seeing him too where he would sing and sometimes someone would see him just dance out of the corner of their eye but then they'd look and he'd disappear he even played ball like a ball would go back and forth that people would throw into it and all of a sudden it would come back out obviously this gained a lot of attention in the neighborhood but then it spread to the reporters who were desperate to find like a lighthearted story because we're talking the 1930s. This is like post-World War One, pre-World War Two. Things aren't great, especially over in like this little island. So he gained a lot of notoriety, not only in the newspapers, which became international, but then the psychic community as well. Paranormal investigators would actually come and see if they could interact with Jeff. There was Harry Price. That was a very famous instance where he came to investigate. And Nandor Fodor came as well. But apparently Jeff didn't make an appearance. There's a lot of debate over what was happening here. Some people think that it was a group hallucination. That's what I was going to say. Like it was carbon monoxide poisoning is often like a thing you hear about back then. Like Right. Some people think too that it was a split personality of Jim. Like he was Mm. doing these things and just didn't realize. And everyone was just being very polite not to say anything. Some people thought the daughter was a ventriloquist. So she was throwing her voice and doing this stuff. Especially because it was such a high-pitched voice, like a younger girl could do that because she was like 13 when this was going on. But some people still thought maybe this was truly a poltergeist because while his existence couldn't be proven, the stories from the island and people's encounters also couldn't entirely be disproven either. While we may never know the truth of Jeff or who or what he was, (laughs) we do know his legacy lives on, especially because in 2023, this year... The film Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose was released (laughs) starring Simon Pegg, Minnie Driver, and Christopher Lloyd with the voice of Jeff being provided by none other than fantasy writer and just incredible writer overall, Neil Gaiman. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. So he's Jeff. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, when did this come out already? 
this came i think it's out now i think it's streaming it was kind of like this really cool it sounds like more of a low-key indie effort to do this film as opposed to like a big studio effort obviously because like I, I know a lot of people haven't heard of this film about the talking mongoose yeah but which i've never yeah. heard of <laughs> right oh my god so happy Man. halloween that's, that's a good one about jeff that's I've never heard of it. Hell of now a I'm trick. Go, and yeah. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Or a mongoose oh, hole, should. I should say. Because yeah. there is so... Uh, well, don't go down the rabbit hole because he's killing them. So much more to this story. And I wish I could do more. But it just... It was wild reading about... I'm like, I'm sorry. What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. That's a great... Red, you did it again. But uh, we're not done because... Oh yes. One more for me. Off, I would love a final treat for our audience. Yes. Of course. So I thought I would end and we're running long, so I'll keep it short. But the horror genre, as we know, it's a male dominated industry. So I thought, Red, that I would highlight some women horror directors because we need more of them and we need to celebrate the ones we have. So the first one that I want to give a shout out to is Mary Heron, who was a Canadian filmmaker who wrote and directed a little film called American Psycho. Which, oh my god, I yes. want to do one on her. Like, we need to dive oh, more okay. into her. Well, okay, so we'll just give you a little thing. She likes to say that she likes to make unpopular versions of popular things. I make a horror film, and it's not a horror film. None of my genre movies function as genre movies. And she's famously said, I dislike it when women reject feminism. That's ridiculous. I am a product of feminism. Without feminism, I would not be making films. Writer, actor, Jennifer Vive Turner, who worked on American Psycho alongside Heron, has spoken several times about the film's feminist undertones, and she said, it's a satire about how men compete with each other and how in this hyper-real universe we created, women are even less important than your tan or your suit or or where you summer. So Mary Heron, though, it's such a male-dominated movie, you would think, but a woman's behind it, and it's really a feminist movie. So she is credited with writing and directing that. So I want I to mean, give her a shout-out. Yeah, Amazing. <laughs> and also, I do know a fun, clever directorial point that she made was that she had Willem Dafoe, who was the investigator in that movie, do three different takes. One where he thought he did it, one where he thought he didn't, and one where he was undecided and then cut between the three of them so that you as the audience don't know <gasps> what he's actually thinking because he's that. delivering the same thing, but delivering it in such different ways that it's almost like borderline confusing. Like, so does he think, is he onto him? Is he not? Like, and that was a deliberate thing decided by Mary. Uh, you are a wonderful, wonderful director. We're keeping that um, in. We're keeping yeah. <laughs> that in because we're going to do one on her completely. So I'll just shout shout out a couple more. Jennifer Kent, she is a triple threat actress, writer, and director, best known for her trope-defying film, The Babadook. Oh, uh-huh. I love that. Uh-huh. So she spoke about the inspiration behind it. She said, I have a friend who's a single mother whose son was traumatized by this monster figure that he thought he saw everywhere in the house. So I thought, what if this thing was real on some level? I made... Monster, which was a 2005 short film about that idea, but I couldn't leave it alone. I kept coming back to it, and that led to The Babadook. So she wasn't interested in making likable characters, something we don't see a lot of in movies, particularly American ones. I think horror is the perfect genre to make flawed characters. It's built for that. Not everyone will agree, but then again, I didn't make this film for everyone. I don't think that's possible. So shout out to Jennifer Kent for that film. Like, holy shit. Yeah, I've seen the film, and it's 
really well made. The lead actress in it is just wonderful. She's an Australian actress who also was in one of my favorite series about this 1920s, 1930s flapper female detective who's kind of like the James Bond in Australia of just like solving murder mysteries. Miss Phryne Fisher's Detective Agency. And it's such a good watch. And she's incredible. And she's incredible in this. And I do love that the Babadook has also become kind of a queer figure. There's <laughs> like a lot a of that in Advocate for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's another woman on here. Her name's Lee Jenick. And she did a whole like string of the Fear Street, R.L. Stein's Fear Street trios. Um, oh, yeah. To Netflix. And Sean and I actually went to Historic Park and saw all, all of them. Um, they did a whole thing over the summer or, yeah, I guess fall a year or two ago. And she was there. And it was a huge, huge deal that she got to do all three of them. And like, yeah, to your point, queer is a big thing in horror. So mm-hmm. it was really cool to see that. But I'm interested in Nia de Costa. Now she made history in 2021 as the first woman of color to have a film debut at number one on opening weekend. That film is Candyman. So <gasps> oh. she, yeah. And, she, you know, she continues to face racism in her position as a female horror director and you know, it's not necessarily overtly racist, but it's shocking the way people have talked to me in my position as a director, people who work for me, especially on a movie like this, where Jordan Peele was the only other person of color at the level of decision making in the movie. That's unacceptable, frankly. And I agree. So fuck that. Keep making waves, Nia. You're doing great. Yeah. Uh, we need more diversity also- in film. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, like, I love when someone reimagines also because there is the classic like Candyman, which is from like the 80s and things like that. But the way she took it and reinterpreted it in a more like modern lens, but also still dealing, talking about things like race, because the original one has a lot to do with, again, a lot of white people. Mm -hmm. And the main villain is someone who was persecuted because they were black and all this other stuff but she really does a wonderful job of changing how the story is told taking that same legend but just modernizing it in such a way it was really well done i mean i remember just being creeped out by the trailer yeah me too oh my god i am actually a chicken with films so i think we've talked about this and i But I still, the storytelling that comes through, especially with female directors, what I love about them is like men have dominated that whole genre industry. When a female director comes in and is like, oh, you think you know scary? Let me show you scary. Like, I'm like, oh, oh. (laughs) Like, I mean, all of these filmmakers, like, I know all the work that you're talking about. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah, that, that, I remember that. I'm still scarred. Okay. I remember. need more of them so i just wanted to highlight and there's there's a few more but we're already running long so shout out to the women in horror and we need more of you and especially representation and diversity that's all i'm gonna say but that was my treat and i think that wraps it up but i will say everyone once again happy halloween i hope you all have a wonderful safe Happy holiday, however you choose to celebrate Halloween in the festivities or whatever you choose. I think it's one of those moments where you get to kind of be whatever you want to be and challenge your creativity. So I think this is going to be that for you. And I hope you're around other people who make you feel like you are being seen, you're being heard, and you're being creative and appreciated for that. So happy Halloween, everyone. We love you. Bye. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb, edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at ilovethatforyoupod at gmail.com or join us on Instagram at ilovethatforyoupod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love, and if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.